0: Hey, what's going on, y'all? Welcome to the Big Game Boomer Show. Hope everyone's doing well this Friday afternoon. Before we get rolling here, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button. And if you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple, give us that five-star review. Um, That helps us a ton. Um, We've got a great show today talking Gamecock football with uh, very popular uh, Mike Yuva from uh, Gamecock Central. Let's get him in here. Mike, what's going on, man? How you doing? What's going on? Appreciate you having me. Yeah, yeah, not much, man. I, it's uh, been a busy week for you, I, I bet. Being down in Atlanta all week—is it? Were you down there the whole, the whole, whole week? I was just two days,
1: um, which honestly is enough. You know, when you when you've covered these things since you know, shoot, I've been covering them since 2015. Atlanta's a different beast, of course, being in a much bigger city, right, uh, compared to Birmingham. But it's so spread out. I'm not a huge fan of it being in Atlanta. Um, I think Birmingham's a good place, but from a traveling standpoint, it makes things a hell of a lot easier coming from Columbia compared to having to go all the way out to Alabama.
0: Yeah, because it's, it's always been in Birmingham. That's what I
1: Yeah, second thought. time this has been in Atlanta. So this is the second time and the first time since, what, 2018. So the first time in four years.
0: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I, I was if I had I had known because I'm from Atlanta, if I had known it was in Atlanta. I would have gone because it's an easy trip for me. I got family out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, not not a lot of fireworks really. Um, it was kind of low key. I mean, no no drama uh, from a from an SEC. Like if you remember last year, it was the whole uh, the news broke about OU and Texas going to the mm-hmm. to the uh, SEC, but really not a lot of not, not a lot of fireworks uh, this year. No,
1: I mean, you usually find something, right? Whether it be a coach saying something, a player saying something, or like you said, news like that, but nothing crazy. Um, Kind of tamed, kind of tamed. Yeah. And I don't know, I mean, you know, obviously everything that took place with Nick Saban in Kirby Smart a couple months back, leading up to the coaches' meetings in Destin, Florida, having that moment, before SEC Media Days, I think it took away some of the sparks that could have been. But yeah. I think the reality is, as we all know, and that's why he's one of the best commissioners, in my opinion, in all of sports, Greg Sankey, he was able to squash that. It's like, hey guys, come on. You know? Yeah, so I think yeah. that's the main reason why we weren't able to kind of see that. Cause I think that would have been one of them. Spencer Rattler not going to SEC Media Days, perhaps that could have caused something. I'm not saying oh, yeah. in a negative manner, but there was just, yeah. This this is the first time that I can remember in quite some time that it just seemed like it was a business as usual SEC media days.
0: Yeah, and uh, I, yeah, it makes me think that Sankey kind of pulled all the coaches in. It's like, come on, guys, we, we got to cut this out. Um, everyone just kind of stayed vanilla. But uh, you know, Shane Beamer, I thought he did a good job that hype video that uh, the that uh, South Carolina's account. Uh, put out right before the he came out was just incredible (laughs) that that uh, that was one of the coolest videos I've ever seen I mean the I mean uh, what is it he said uh, King uh, what's his last name Justin King yeah every single video that he puts out is incredible I mean y'all have to have probably the best uh, social media group probably in college football
1: they're incredible and I know I was telling you before we hopped on we just dropped a video and you know for our game cock Followers that are, are watching today's show that literally just dropped Gamecock Central. Just put that out there. There's gonna be another kickoff party at Stale Hands. and there was uh, some issues going on with that video. And Justin King came to the rescue and saved the day. He like and I joked with you about it. That that man has a PhD when it comes to videos. I mean, it's it's incredible. Yeah. Um, no. But I mean, look. I, I think the thing about that video, and I know it's it's ironic, and I don't know. I haven't asked Justin if that was the reason why it came out when it did. Because of what happened, obviously, with Clemson and Davos Sweeney, I don't think <laughs> yeah. it really did. Um,
0: it's just a coincidence.
1: I think <laughs> I, I, think just the fact that you have that video, though, and that was one of the big talking points going into the day. And it was just the complete opposite of what I think some Clemson fans would have expected, right? Um, so I, I think what we see from, from Shane, and I had a chance to talk to him about it off to the side, it's just who he is. And that allows his players. I mean, Javon Gwen, one of the players that represented South Carolina, he's a returning offensive lineman. He'll be a captain again for a second straight year. I think he put it best. And it wasn't just specifically about that video, but just a broader picture, which is Shane is himself. And by Shane being himself, we're able to be ourselves. And when we go out there on the field, we're not thinking we don't have to worry about things because we know that when we're just ourselves, he's going to be fine with that. So it's, I think it's much bigger than some people think. And it's not to really like, you know, make it like sentimental or, you know, make it seem like, you know, like, okay, you know, they went out there, they're doing soldier boy, like, oh my God, you know, South Carolina is going to go win the SEC East. That's not what I'm saying. (laughs) But I think when you realize how far this program has come in such a short period of time, six wins combined in Muschiette's final two years, seven wins in Beamer's first year. And now you're getting the program into a position heading into year two where people are actually talking about them a little bit. It's impressive.
0: Yeah, no, uh, he's done a great job. I'm a huge fan of him, Um, have had him on the podcast. Um, You know, I had him during spring ball and the fact that he took, you know, 30 minutes of his day, you know how busy he is to come in on my podcast during spring ball. uh, That meant a lot to me. So he's a genuine guy and, and, uh, you know, it's hard not to root for him. But he did, you know, he what one thing that I liked that he said, and, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here is he wants his players to look forward to coming, you know, to the South Carolina facilities and kind of that family atmosphere. And then he said, um, you know, I don't know if that was the case before. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it, it makes me believe that, you know, he has had a drastic change like day and night difference between the culture between him being there. And then when Muschamp was there.
1: Well, and I, and I go back even before, you know, I was going to share I was going to share a quote that I had from one of the recent commitments, Dante Reno, class of 2024, four star quarterback. But I go back even before that to when I had a conversation with Marcus Lattimore on our podcast that we do. believe it's see Carolina. Yeah. yeah. And one of the first episodes, because Marcus obviously had the opportunity to work under Muschamp as a director of player development for two years. Then he decided to go out west and he's been at a Division three school as the director of player development for Lewis and Clark, he was the running backs coach previously or slash that, but now he's just going to be doing off the field work with them. But I say that because with his background of being a player and then having an opportunity to work under Mushamp, he shared some of the Intel as to why he didn't think it worked out. And one of the reasons why he's just said there was just a disconnect in the building. And I know it sounds like, okay, so simple, but it got to the point where he said that you'd go into the weightlifting room, you'd go into one of the meeting rooms, you'd go on the practice field and just the messages from different coaches and just different parts of the building. It was all different. And I just don't think will had an idea of what truly was going on down to like, just the, you know, just to the, the, the little like bit, bit of sand, right? Like you just try to get down to the nitty gritty of it all because sometimes what happens with these coaches is they want to have their handprint on everything. When you look at an Alabama, when you look at even Georgia and what they were able to accomplish this past season, the best coaches are coaches that have coaches around them, especially when they, it helps when they've had head coaching experience and they allow them just to go out there and be able to help them out. Right. Yeah. You see Freddie Kitchens coming in. Pete Lembo, he has head coaching experience at the college level. These coaches are going to be able to come in here and they're going to make uh, Beamer's job a hell of a lot easier because Beamer's is going to really be able to go into meeting rooms and he's going to be able to find out, OK, what do we got to do to fine tune this instead of, OK, I got to make sure my handprints are on everything. It comes down to trust. It comes down to trust, not just from a player standpoint, but trust in being able to trust the other coaches. And it comes also down to just being able to have humility. Uh, so I think being able to have that is going to be huge for South Carolina. So I, I say all that to go back to Dante Reno. He pointed out the fact that from his recruiting process, Luke Doty, quarterback at South Carolina, Luke has pointed out to him as someone that has been here, obviously, for the new staff and then obviously for the old staff. Well, Muschamp was here and said players truly do love being in this building. It's a family atmosphere. Beforehand, it wasn't it wasn't that way. We've heard from other players that have expressed the. Disconnect to the point where players felt like, okay, I'm just coming in here, getting my business done. And all I'm worried about is just going to the league. That's not to yeah. say guys who are in the league uh, were selfish, you know, but this is just the overall message that was kind of going on in that building, or at least the sense from the current players
0: yeah. that are there. You know, I, I watched that press conference a couple of times. What about the Georgia reporter that asked him about Georgia's tight ends? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Shane Beaver doesn't care about. Who the three best tight ends are at Georgia? I was like, what a random question. <laughs> well, it's, you know, and I
1: went back and listened to it because I was in, that's the considered to be the big room. That's considered to be the big room. The writers are there. And then the TV room, the electronic room, they've changed the names over the years. That's considered the small room. And because you're in Atlanta, you're in a whole freaking different building. So, you know, it takes like a taxi <laughs> ride to be able to get over from one building to the other. Um, but I say all that because, I say all that because I went back and listened to it. And I don't think, I mean, personally, I didn't, I mean, and you know, and you know, you know this about me. I mean, I'm not a Gamecock fan. I didn't go to USC. I'm not from South Carolina, just cover the team. But I've been in situations where you'll have other reporters from other markets and they're trying to get that local question in. They're trying to localize it because some people are there all week. There's times, obviously, where you could have Georgia and South Carolina on the same day. Um, that wasn't the case, but the the point being is sometimes that does happen. I think this was a case of, you know, a reporter trying to ask a question. It just sucked that it was the last question asked. And that's how it kind (laughs) of ended. Um, but you know, Beamer obviously has experience of of being a tight ends coach at Georgia. And, you know, you try to localize things a little bit. So I don't, I didn't, in my opinion, not that it really matters is, is Mike, you offended or not. No, one's going to care, but I didn't, I didn't take offense to that. Um, but, you know, you got to read the room sometimes. And knowing the fact that South Carolina was going after a Georgia uh, tight end last season that didn't work out, (laughs) maybe not the time and place. But, again, I don't think there was any ill intent going into it with that question.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely – I just – I found it funny. (laughs) Just uh, kind of at the end of the interview, that's what they asked him. So, game. I mean, Beamer has the Gamecock Nation. I mean, I have never seen – gamecock nation as excited and enthusiastic as they are right now going into this season i mean is that how long have you been covering south carolina so i've been covering this will be my seventh
1: season and i've been covering the sec now going on eight years
0: so so were you covering him during the spurrier than the spurrier era i mean marcus i mean Lattimore
1: and i are the same age so i was still playing college ball i mean i'd be lying to you I really did not pay attention to South Carolina that much. But, I mean, of course, when you have Spurrier, you have what Jadavian Clowney was able to do, Alshon, Jeffrey, Stephon Gilmore, Stephen Garcia, Connor Shaw, you pay attention from afar. But even when you talk to players like that, though, as good as they were, as big as things were, baseball was big. They were winning back-to-back World Series in 10 and 11 the hype is just different right now. It's just different. It's not like this hope feeling, you know, like, okay, it's giving us hope. It's this feeling of like, shoot, we feel connected to the program. And I feel like even when you talk to guys that, you know, were here during the Spurrier era or boosters around the program, just the way Beamer goes about things, they feel like they're a part of the program. So that's why it's just, it's a different feeling, even though, you know at the end of the day nothing's really been accomplished yet from a wing loss standpoint obviously great season last year but in comparison to being able to to win the east like they did
0: back in that 2010 season or 11 yeah i mean set what they went so they went seven and six last year i mean from going what two and i mean they won i think they were two and seven in 2020 Mm -hmm. um i mean i mean and people were thinking that they were only going to win like three games last year and uh You know, it definitely exceeded expectations, won three out of the last five games. Um, It's like they every week they won a game, then the next week they lose, then win, then lose. It was uh, it was good. And I mean, they had no offense last year. Um, And, you know, the big, big splash was bringing in Spencer Rattler, um, Mm -hmm. who, of course, you know, I'm an OU guy. So I, I, you know, close to the, you know, following OU and Spencer Rattler, he comes to south carolina and you know everyone that you see is just kind of doubting him right now saying oh well he got benched by you know caleb williams and and all this and you know if you look at his numbers in 2020 he was 10th in passing yards uh 20th in completion percentage 8th in touchdown passes and 11th overall in qb rating this guy can play Mm -hmm. and I think people are forgetting about that. Um, so, I mean, what are your thoughts on Spencer Rattler uh, t- kind of taking over the Gamecock quarterback position? I mean,
1: shoot, if if you're a fan of college football, you would have known coming out of high school, Caleb Williams is one of the top-rated quarterbacks we've seen in quite some time. And Oh, yeah. We and I say we, meaning people that follow college football, we expected him to be able to come in and and be able to make a name for himself. I think people that don't follow college football as much, or maybe they don't follow Oklahoma as much, I don't think they expected him to come in there and push Rattler the way he did. Now, certainly Rattler didn't have the type of season that I think some put him onto that pedestal to because they expected him to have a chance to go out and win the Heisman. So certainly Mm -hmm. he didn't. He didn't have that opportunity to um, to live up to that. Um, or I shouldn't say he didn't have the opportunity. He just, he just didn't make it happen. He had the opportunity, uh, but he didn't have the chance to be able to do that. So I think with Rattler, the biggest question comes down to, number one, what is it going to look like in this offense? It's a different style offense, and that's one of the reasons why he's coming to South Carolina. He wants to be able to play in that pro-style offense under Marcus Satterfield. I think – it's something as the season goes on, he's going to grow and be better in, you know, not necessarily firing the ball 20, 30 times down the field for, you know, a 20, 30, 40 yard pass like you see in the Big 12 every other play, yeah. it seems like. Um, but the question just becomes how quickly can he adapt to that? The patience level, it's easy to go out there and, and do what he did in the spring game, which was very impressive still because at that point, it's a controlled app. It's controlled. You understand what you're going to be doing for the most part. Script's going to be there. You're going to be able to script a majority of the spring game. But I do think though, he did show a lot of composure because he could have gone out there first time being in front of Gamecocks fans. He could have freaking started heaving the ball downfield. He didn't, he played control. So I think that's the one thing I'm looking at. Uh, And the other thing too, was how the players around him respond, this offensive line. They've took a lot of beatings going back to last season. Um, they rank second as an offense. I say offense because the offensive line, it's easy to look at them. Mm-hmm. But as an offense, because, you know, there's a lot of issues. Even First-year offensive coordinator trying to teach an offensive, you know, what they're going to do. The offensive line coach, Greg Atkins, he had to deal with some health issues. He was away from the team a little bit. But there's so much that goes into it that we miss when it comes from a blocking standpoint. And Beamer got into that the other day, which is tight end my might have been responsible for blocking down. He didn't do that. Or the running back was supposed to pick up an outside linebacker. He didn't do that. So um, they were second to last in sacks allowed last season as an offense.
0: Thirty-one, yeah, thirty-one sacks allowed. I mean, that that's a lot. You return
1: <laughs> all five starters on yeah. the offensive line. On top of that, and Beamer pointed this out, the starters did not miss one practice this spring in fifteen practices. So he. Number one, thinks they're tough, and that shows that. But number two, they're ready to go. They're ready to go. Dylan Wanham, he was dealing with some back issues last year. That's the only question mark. If he's able to get back in that lineup, though, that just makes South Carolina even that much better, in my opinion, on the offensive line. But I've said this before. Offensive line, running backs, receivers, even though the receiving room is much deeper than it's been in quite some time, oh, yeah. you do need all Americans across the board because Rattler is going to be like makeup. He's going to be able to cover up and be able to cover a lot of those blemishes up and make you look better than maybe you really are. So give um, give Rattler some time to be able to make some plays, and I think this offense can surprise a lot of people this year.
0: Absolutely, I mean, yeah, and that's my biggest concern is the offensive line play and giving him enough time to throw the, throw the football, see see the you know field because like I remember last year OU's offense offensive line was was not struggled. I remember the OU West Virginia game. Uh, they had, West Virginia has a stout defensive line, and and they were in the backfield uh, in Rattler's face before he could even get you know get the ball off. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, all the blame last year should not have all gone to Rattler. Um, and the offensive line definitely should have taken some of the blame. And uh, so that that's my biggest concern is is can that offensive line hold up long enough? for rattler to be able to hit guys like josh van or jaheem bell or austin Stogner, um and that's kind of tbd you said the whole offensive line comes back so so we'll Mm -hmm. see if uh, if they can turn it around
1: yeah and i think i think too when you look at the fact that you know it was a first year offensive coordinator and it's not making excuses. I'm just trying to make sense of it. And the end of the day they were they were what they were last year, right? They had a, they yeah. were seven and six seasons over from last year. Moving on. What can they do to be better? Well, we've talked about some of that, but I just think naturally the fact that you've had an offensive coordinator that came in and did things much different than what we've seen over the last couple of years and for this team as a whole too, Three different offensive coordinators the last three years. I mean, I, th- I think that's something too that gets lost in the mix. So this offense, you know, for these returners, they're going to finally be able to have some type of consistency, and I yeah. think that is a huge, huge thing that should not be over overlooked.
0: Yeah, no, and uh, you know, Christian beale Smith is also uh, the transfer from Wake Forest. I think he's going to be a good get, get some good production uh, in the backfield. Um, so I think the offense. Should be much better. I mean, what last Mm -hmm. year they finished uh, 111th in total yards per game. I I would expect that number to jump up, you know, significantly uh, this season because they played what four quarterbacks last year. I mean, three of those three of those
1: (laughs) were because they had to. I mean, the fourth one, of course, with Joiner in the in the bowl game, that was by design. But guys are dropping left and right. To the point, and I know some people outside of South Carolina are probably sick and tired of hearing it as if it's going to be turned into a Disney movie, which I think would be great. Because um, then it comes down to you know, who plays Zeb Nolan. But yeah. you have a grad assistant, <laughs> put the clipboard down, put the whistle down, and he comes out and he's a quarterback after what he thought would be his last game a couple months ago. Wow. He was playing at North Dakota State.
0: Yeah. No, that, <laughs> the whole, that whole situation. You could write a movie about that for sure. Um how about the defense? Uh, great uh, against the pass last year, struggled a little the run. Um, you know, who are some guys you think that need to step up this year on the defensive side of the ball?
1: Darius Rush certainly one of them because I think a lot of the attention is going to be put on Cam Smith and rightfully so. Yeah. Uh Dial. So Marcel's Dial, Darius Rush, Spalding I mentioned those three defensive backs because what's going to happen is this. I think a lot of people that don't follow South Carolina closely, they're going to be looking at, okay, Cam Smith, he's getting a lot of buzz and hype going into the season. Oh, yeah. Is he going to be matched up on the number 1 wide receiver all the time? Probably not, and here's why. South Carolina needs to establish who their nickel's going to be. Last season, they were able to walk into a tremendous situation where they were able to and Gamecock fans know I mention him a lot because he played at my school assumption. Carlens Patel came in from a division two school. The last six, seven games, he started at nickel. I don't think outside of anyone in that building, they expected Carlens Patel to do much, right? Division two yeah. guy. Starts the last six, seven games. Now he just signed with the Steelers. So I say that because that is an important position that USC and pretty much every college football team, especially where the game is going and how much you know that slot position has evolved you need someone to be able to play that nickel spot. So I would not be shocked to see cam play nickel to start the year, depending on the matchups, of course um, until South Carolina feels comfortable enough to be able to put someone in that nickel spot. So I think regardless, you'll see Kim Smith play nickel. Um, but you know, some of these matchups as the year goes on, you want to be able to put them on there on the number one receiver. So it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what South Carolina can do from a from just a production standpoint at nickel um, until they can figure out okay where's the best spot to put Cam. So that's the first thing that comes to mind to me.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I remember I did my top fifty nickel slot corner uh, positions, and I had Cam at number one because um, he is definitely skilled as well. I do think y'all will miss uh, Jalen Foster. Um, he's a big uh, big piece of that secondary. No question. But- yeah but
1: um davani reed should do a good job coming in he's a transfer from central michigan the chickawas he uh the best way <laughs> to describe him or at least the way that i see him so far from what i've seen little undersized some would say but he reminds me and he's not as short but he reminds me a lot of bob sanders you know if you remember those cults. oh yeah. yeah so he's a an hard hitter very smart um I expect him to come in and, and be able to do some good things. He's becoming a leader on that defense just because he he's an upperclassman, even though he's a transfer, but he's took on that leadership role. So Devani Reed is a name to look out for. Another guy, too, in the defensive line is Jordan Strawn. I think people are going to talk a lot about Jordan Burch. He'll play on the opposite side of him, but losing a guy like J.J. Embare Aaron Sterling up front, the thing about Strawn is he transferred in last season from Georgia State right the previous year his last year at georgia state he was tied um for leading for, for he was leading the, the country in sacks tied for that for with 10 and a half. he did some good things last year in about 200 something snaps last year uh he's down 15 pounds i expect him to be able to come out there be an absolute menace off the side be able to get to the quarterback quicker being down a little bit lighter in that weight i don't know if mm-hmm. he's down 20 pounds now but you know as of the spring, he was down 15 pounds. So look out for him. I think that's a guy that's going to surprise a lot of people who don't follow the team closely as much as if you're not in, um, you know, in Columbia because he's a guy that is very, very talented.
0: Yeah, no. South Carolina is always known for having a good defensive line. They'll definitely miss uh, JJ as well. Um, so let, let's shift gears to Clemson. Um, you, you know, South Carolina has not won, has not beat Clemson since 2013. Um, the last time they won in Death Valley was uh, 2012. Do you think Clemson's got issues at quarterback? Do you think that this is a year that they could close the gap uh, between uh, Dabo and the Clemson down down there? This is this is what I've said before about it.
1: The gap between South Carolina and Clemson was probably the size of two oceans. <laughs> I yeah. do believe the gap is shrunk heading into this season and I do think that going into that game when we get to that point it will be smaller. The problem is how much smaller is that gap? Is it still the size of a Mack truck? So, yeah. I think there's going to be some Gamecock fans and you know, I think it makes it easier like I said. I'm not a fan. I try to look at it as, you know, objectively as I can. Going into the season, I can't see South Carolina beating Clemson. I do feel like this Gamecock team, even if they start one and two because it's a difficult schedule, Arkansas on okay. the road week two, Georgia week three, I do think the South Carolina team can still go on to get seven, eight wins in the regular season. I just don't know at this time, just because of historically, right? It's not fear necessarily to Beamer, Rattler, or, these, or the guys on this team, but I've seen this song and dance before. And because of that, at least going into the season, I can't see South Carolina beating Clemson, but that's not to say things can change. And I feel like as this season goes on, they will get better. But I, I just, I just can't see it right now.
0: Yeah, no, I mean we'll have to see significant improvement from the offense uh, for that. To Clemson's happen, still a
1: good team. Sure. Clemson's. Yeah. Oh, they've still got a good the game. best.
0: They've got the best, probably the best defense, but definitely yep. the best defensive line in the country. Um, and they, that game's at Death Valley. Um, so, that's the other thing too. Yep. Yeah. So it's. Uh, <laughs> That's a tough, man. It's one of my one of my favorite rivalries. It's a three hundred and sixty five day rivalry. Yeah,
1: I love it, and I think the beauty of of having an opportunity of covering both schools, being able to cover those two national championships when I worked in TV, and then you know now I I'm just covering one team and Clemson fans just in I know you experience it on social oh yeah. media. Oh yeah, the best part about it is when Clemson fans be like, you know, they try to get under my skin about something like, yo, oh, you're Gamecocks, you must. Be. I don't lose sleep. I don't. I'm not a Gamecock fan. I don't go to bed wearing Gamecock pajamas. You know, you build relationships up with coaches and players. You want to see them do well. I've built relationships up with players and coaches at Clemson. I mean, Taj Boyd, I want to see the guy do well. I want to see teams that he's part of do well. But at the same time, too, it's so fun when you are on one side or at least covering it, and that's why I say on one side, and you can poke fun just a little bit because they are so sensitive. Both fan bases oh, yeah. get, both fan bases can get sensitive. I mean every oh, yeah. fan base is going to be but these two fan bases, holy cow. It's... But I love it. That's what makes it so beautiful is because the sports hate between the two schools, it's there. So, sometimes not to get too sidetracked but the whole dabo thing and this and that, it's just amazing sometimes how soft some people get. How soft. <laughs> Like I had one person reach out to me because I put a picture up, of Kramer from Seinfeld, wearing the pimp hat, and was like, "You know, I can't <laughs> believe you'd say that about Dab oh, He's raising money for breast cancer." It's like if you were listening to anything else I've said earlier in the week on other radio shows, which you probably didn't. I've said nothing but good things about what he's done. I mean, that's absolutely incredible. But just because you do something great doesn't mean you're 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 like, oh, you can't. T-. You can still look corny when you do something. You can still look like the Like That's that's okay. I'm sure there's things I've done, you know, could be good. And and you look like an idiot sometimes. It's okay (laughs) to say that. It's like just because you do something doesn't mean, oh, we can't touch that. Like especially with this rivalry, though, unless someone's saying something really ridiculous, we all know where the line is. And certainly there's been some Gamecock fans, I'm sure, that have passed it. It's okay to laugh. But in this rivalry, I mean – Another example, Dabo Sweeney hits from the from the uh, women's tees or the ladies' tees. That was at a golf tournament I went to. You know, he hit from the women's tees. Yeah. Oh, this is so sexist. It's like, well, you friggin' grow a set? (laughs) This is supposed to be one of the best rivalries in college football. When did these two fan bases and I and I say that not everyone in both fan? bases, when did we get soft? Holy cow! So that's the only thing that drives me nuts is that there's some people on Twitter, just like anything in life, that are so sensitive now, but. Outside of that, great, great rivalry.
0: Yeah, no, it's, I have a lot of fun with it on Twitter, as I'm sure you've probably seen. (laughs) No, of Um, course. Yeah, let's just talk about the schedule, uh, last thing. Um, God, I I mean, it's a brutal schedule. I think the Vegas uh, win total is, I think, like five and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's what it's at. And you know, I, I'm kind of just doing my predictions or projections here. And I mean they 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 draw at Arkansas and then AM comes to South Carolina and, and uh South is 0-8 against uh against AM. They've never beaten them. Um so god, I'm I'm just trying to think where the like I think they could go seven and five. And mm-hmm. I don't think but I don't think that's a bad season. Um, because you gotta play I mean, Clemson, Georgia. I mean, um, so I'm thinking right now seven and five, eight and four, maybe nine and three, best case scenario. Um, just because, I mean, this is a brutal schedule. Yeah. I mean, what do you think? Right now, and I've gone back and forth on it,
1: and I'll have my final prediction right before the start of training camp, which is crazy just to, to think that we are two weeks away until practice. Almost here. Week. Yeah, South Carolina, August 5th. I'm going back and forth between seven and five and eight and four in the regular season. I do feel like they're going to get better as the season goes on. Um, I feel like even though Tennessee might finish ahead of them in the East, I still feel that South Carolina can beat them later on in the year at home against the Vols. The The tricky part about it is when you look at those first six games, how do they fare against them? And yeah they could easily start the year off two and four, but then on the same side, they could go four and two. They could go three and three just because you have the, the tricky ones are going to be at Arkansas and then at Kentucky. Yeah. Are those first six games. So I have them going four and two. I think that this is the year that they're going to be able to go into Kentucky and beat them. Um, I agree. I think, I think they're going to lose the arc. I think they can beat Arkansas. I think they'll surprise some people. I think they'll go four and two, lose the A&M, even though they're coming off a bye week, which, if you watch South Carolina last year, their two best games, they had extra time, right? Yeah. Florida enough, the uh, yeah, dude, this stat
0: South Carolina is 14 and two coming off bye weeks since 2009. Yeah. So there is a little. And they were
1: out. awesome. The Dukes Mayo Bowl, yeah. they obviously had extra time, and we all know what happened with that. They took advantage of that time by letting a guy that hadn't thrown thrown a pass in two years into carry on, join and go out there and play quarterback. And then, of course, what they did against Florida. So. I think they'll they'll start the year off four and two. I think the losses on the back half of the schedule. Uh, those final six games will be against AM and then Clemson. So I have them at uh, probably eight and four. But then again, like I said, I'm still going back and forth because I can see them losing to Arkansas week two just because they're still going to be trying to figure each other out from an offensive yeah. standpoint. So, you know, that's seven and five, eight and four mark in the regular season, I think is fair to say.
0: And that's a good step up. And, you know, Arkansas, they do, they've got a tough matchup week one against Cincinnati. So maybe they're a little beat up uh, going into week two when the game come into Fayetteville, but uh, we'll see. I mean, I'm on the same board as you eight and four, seven and five. Um, all right. Last question. I, yep. I just put out a list um, best burger joint in every college town. I got to see who you and have out here. I put uh, Pauly's for Columbia. Okay. Is that is that close? Did, is that bullseye or am I did, was that I don't a huge hate thing I, I don't hate Paulies and here's the issue. I have a new
1: favorite burger joint and I know it's more of a Virginia based place uh Virginia place, what? Virginia based place. Um that's come down here. I think it's more of a chain, Jack's yeah. Burgers. So yeah, I've heard of that. So I don't know I don't know even if they've been here for a while. I don't know if you can consider that to be the one um Burger Tavern 77 is is another place that I enjoy. Hull's Chop House. I mean, that's obviously a very expensive place, but for 15 bucks, that burger's so friggin' good, man. I mean, they get a <laughs> the burger it 15 bucks. I know. So I mean that I think that's that's like that's like juicing the ball in baseball. So I don't think you can consider that one. So I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's I mean, for me personally, I like going to Jack's now. Jack's play, uh Jacks yes. or um A lot of people will say Zesto's. Zesto's Zesto's, is another good place. Yeah. Probably their their chicken. Um, But their burger's not bad either. So, yeah, I'd I'd probably say Jack's or uh, Burger Burger, uh, Tavern 77.
0: Okay. Good recommendations. Well, I'm going to try and get out to uh, Columbia this fall for a game. So definitely hit those up. Mike, uh, tell everyone where they can find you on social media.
1: Yeah, my Twitter uh, handle is Mike underscore UVA, just like the college. UVA just wasn't smart enough to get in there. And uh, (laughs) I work over at Gamecock Central. So if you are a subscriber to a school that is on on three, so, you know, Clemson, whatever, you want to be able to take a peek over the fence and check out some Gamecock content, you guys will be able to do that for free. That's the beauty with signing up for on three. So very excited to get ready for another season of sec football. I mean, this is the reason I moved down here, you know, played oh, yeah. college ball and, and played college ball, love football. Um, just like so many of them do down here. It is uh, absolutely special to see what has took place over the last, what? 14 months or so, whatever the case may be. Um, yeah. has been here. Math wasn't a strong point for me in college. But, um, and thank you, Patrick. We appreciate that comment. Yes,
0: like someone loves Gamecock um, Central. There you go.
1: But uh, another thing, like I said, you know, big, big announcement with that just happened a little while ago. Gamecock Central will be holding their second kickoff party at Steel Hands Brewing. Last year, Shane Beamer came out. Some of the other oh, coaches yeah. came out. We're going to have a bunch of former athletes, not just football, but former Gamecock athletes, other Gamecock coaches. If you want to be able to go to that, it is a free event. So even if you're not a Gamecock fan, but you might be passing through Columbia. August 20th, come on by. Um, could be some good special guests out there. Could be a good time, plenty of <laughs> beer. And uh, <laughs> if you do want to sign up for the, the VIP tent, you'll have an opportunity to mingle, take some photos, get some autographs from coaches and players. So going to be a fun night. So very excited to be able to uh, be part of that because last year I was at the TV station. So I like high school ball, but I mean, shoot, I would have rather been out there having a couple cold ones.
0: Yeah, no. I absolutely I agree 100%. And if I didn't live out in Oklahoma, I'd probably try to get out there as well. <laughs> so, all right, man. Well, hey, I appreciate you hopping on. I know you're a busy guy, probably exhausted from this uh from this week, so uh, we'll let you go and uh try and get some rest.
1: <laughs> no, I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me on and uh all the different college football fans following. It's uh big big stuff. Hopefully you have a yeah. good season of college
0: football regardless of who you cheer for absolutely be here before you know it yep all right take it easy all right that's mike you've uh, had a great uh great time chatting with him about gamecock football um go make sure you go give him a follow on twitter um he's a uh great guy to follow for all gamecock content um all right so i know i had said that i was going to do a uh, helmet giveaway today. Uh, so for a Gamecock, I've got my own Gamecock uh, helmet back here. Um, so, um, and I, I there, you can get anyone you want. There's, I know there's different types of helmets. There's a Garnet, the black, uh, and the, the uh, scripted one. So uh, the winner of this helmet giveaway goes to First Class Gamecocks. First Class Gamecocks. And, um, so i will uh i will uh hit you up first class and uh we'll get we'll get that uh helmet sent over to you uh this is not if you if you've been following me you've seen that i've been doing a lot of these helmet giveaways i've loved doing it because i know you guys love these helmets i mean i've got so many of them i mean look here here's east carolina um so just uh hit uh you know hit that subscribe button turn that notification on um Cause we're, we're going to be doing this all season long. And uh, if you didn't win a helmet today, there's always next time. Um, So, uh, you know, we've got a little program announcements. We've got, I've got the show coming up here in a little bit with Ben Crittle. We're talking BYU football. And then Sunday we're doing our uh, big 10 East uh, uh, totals, win totals. Uh, So we'll be doing that. But like I said, we're doing content all the time now uh, with college football coming up. So I appreciate you guys, uh, for hopping on during your, uh, during your day and, uh, giving us a listen and, uh, hope everyone has a good weekend and, uh, take it easy. We will, uh, see you later.